Welcome to the Global Medical Device Podcast, where today's brightest minds in the medical device industry go to get their most useful and actionable insider knowledge, direct from some of the world's leading medical device experts and companies. Now, I suspect many of you listening to the Global Medical Device Podcast that you're very focused on some sort of technology or product or device that in some way, shape, or form is going to have a positive impact on improving the quality of life. And there's lots of obstacles and challenges that we're all faced with in our quest to bring these products to market. And uh, the few things that I think are really important for med tech companies to consider in that journey. That's why I am excited about this episode of the Global Medical Device Podcast, where Devin Campbell from Product and I talk about the value equation for med tech companies. So enjoy this episode of the Global Medical Device Podcast. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Global Medical Device Podcast. This is your host, the founder and VP of Quality and Regulatory at Greenlight Guru, John Spear. Uh, excited today because I have Devin Campbell. Devin is with Product, P-R-O-D-C-T, folks. Devin, welcome to the Global Medical Device Podcast. Thanks, John. Happy to be here. Now, you and I have talked, uh, well, quite a bit in, in uh, over the past few weeks and months or so. And mm-hmm. and I always enjoy our conversations. And the other day when we were catching up, you, you threw this idea at me that I thought was really intriguing. And we decided, hey, let's do a podcast on that. And the idea, uh, and I'll frame it a little bit, and certainly it'll we'll unpack it as we ch- chat today. But the idea is uh, for a, a medical device company, especially those that might be a little bit earlier stage, that you know, it's it's the objective to elevate and escalate quality, uh, but also, you know, improve the value uh, that I'm bringing to to the table as well as a company. So the value of my technology, my team, my process, my uh, regulatory, all of those things. So I know that's kind of uh, a little bit nebulous, but uh, I thought we could talk a little bit about about uh, what teams can be doing to focus on the value equation of their company and uh, tap into some of your experiences uh, on this this topic. What do you think? Sure, sounds good. So one of the things that I think sometimes gets lost in this this value equation, if you will, is there's a, a lot of focus on you know the next step of of my technology, and and sometimes I forget some of the other things. So you know you've done a lot of work with due diligence and and working with startups on this so what are some of the gotchas that you've seen in your experiences well i mean, it it varies a lot kind of depending on the industry but i think if you were to generalize enough one of the bigger gotchas that i've seen is not starting early enough and that's that's a reoccurring theme in our conversations john um that that i've seen with with my clients and in, in my history of not thinking through the deployment of a quality system or the infrastructure around uh, the company to make sure that you're generating good quality data uh, early in the process. And I think that that is often tackled too late. And when you tackle it too late, it ends up costing the organization more in time and in resources and in money to be able to put uh, the right safeguards in place and the right uh, critical thinking 
there to be able to demonstrate to key stakeholders that you are generating quality data, you have a quality process, um, that your device or your procedure is of is on sound foundation. Yeah, and there's a couple of things there. So I think one of the themes that I hear from time to time from especially early stage companies on the topic of like a quality management system is we're not there yet. We're not ready. We've got to focus on our product and our technology. Uh, are these things exclusive from one another or, or should they be tied together more, more closely? They're not exclusive from one another. Um, they, they should be at least considered and have a strategy in place. A lot of times with my clients now, we will go in and take a good look at their situation and we'll propose at least a strategy. And if you start with that mindset at the very beginning and you have kind of that quality strategy in mind, then it gives you the opportunity to be able to demonstrate to stakeholders and others looking in on you to say, at least we appreciate the value of quality and we know that we need to start putting these different pieces in place. We may not do it right now. We might choose to do it when certain triggers happen within a company, but at least we're, we're eyes wide open and we're moving forward with purpose and with an understanding uh, when certain things should be turned on and when they shouldn't. Yeah, and I think I'm recalling one of the things that, that you and I recently spoke about, um, and, and I'll ask you to use your lens uh, as, as a person who used to go in and do some due diligence more from the investor side of new tech mm-hmm. You know, look. I think sometimes there's this this emphasis from from the company that's developing this new product, the, the almost a race sometimes to get uh, early input or data from users on their technology, almost like a to prove that the product is is viable. So, what are some things from that due diligence lens that you would evaluate in those situ- situations and circumstances? Well, let's let's unpack the you know, the, the origin of that just a little bit um, before we get in, in, into uh, some of those trends. You know, there, there might be multiple reasons why uh, a med tech company or a therapeutic company um, might want to get their product or their process into the hands of users sooner. Of course, to be able to get better user input, uh, to be able to help uh, inform their, um, their V matrices eventually. But they could also want to get those products out as a source of revenue. And I think that that is a intriguing enough, low-hanging fruit that people get really excited by it and then pursue it um, aggressively. And there's a couple different ways to do that. They might take their product and process, running it in their own labs, but then offer it as a service to, say, Biopharma or to others, whether it's for investigational use only or for research use only or as something that could generate additional data that might interrogate a patient's sample or how well a drug is performing uh, in, in patient populations. You, you might have something that helps give some additional value to, say, a biopharma or a big pharma company. And you want to get it into their hands and you charge them for it. And I've noticed this in a lot of different situations and a few that I'm actively working with right now with clients where... You want to make sure, even if you're a very early stage company, that you're delivering to that value equation. You're delivering not just data, but a sense of confidence in that data to those biopharma clients. And they have maybe slightly different 
expectations of you as a really early stage startup doing some work, they would appreciate that you don't necessarily have to have an entire quality system in place yet. You're maybe not FDA approved yet. You're not worrying about 1345. And maybe you're putting the basic infrastructure in place to get you there. But they care about a few very specific things. And that was the, the point that I thought that we might want to explore a little bit today in, in chipping the scales on that value equation to make sure that when you are generating data early to external consumers, that you're generating it in a way that they value. Yeah, I think that's really important. I mean, because there are, uh, and I think there's a couple of different product spaces that are kind of hotter now, I, I suppose, as far as companies trying to introduce the, the technology to users sooner, maybe a, a simpler regulatory path. I know there's sometimes the RUO, research use mm-hmm. only path, there's the lab mm-hmm. develop test, even in you know more tangible goods, wearables is another uh, space where you know let's let's get it you know let's get the the low regulatory hurdle uh, option, get the product into the hands of the users, start generating data so that it can help uh, inform maybe a, a more stringent or more regulated indication for use. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and I, and I think that's you know an interesting strategy uh, in, in many cases, uh, but it can be misinformed if I'm just trying to get the the product into the in hands of the end user and, and I don't have a strategy or a plan for the type of data and information that might not help me. Yeah. Yeah, indeed. And, and, and that, that ties back into some of when I would do due diligence on companies um, to take a look at them, even if they're very early stage companies, what I would want to understand is that the company appreciates the impact of quality on the data that it trusts. I, I want to be able to, I mean, on the data that it generates, I want to be able to get data from them and trust that data and not second guess it or look at it, you know, uh, quite questionably. I want to make sure that I understand when I've given them samples or I've given them drug or I've given them something to be able to run through their process or on their device, that there is some integrity maintained throughout the process for that sample, whatever the input was that I gave them, um, when they generate a di- some data point for me or an array of data or some other results, I want to be able to connect A to B. And I want to know that they have procedures and processes in place to maintain that connection so I don't accidentally get somebody else's sample or someone else's result. So to have SOPs in place and to be able to have uh, training in place to understand uh, that each one of the users that might or the operators of that process or product are, are moving the workflow through in the same way each time, and they're, they're checking the right boxes and they're making sure that the samples uh, are are understood throughout the whole process. I've got a lot of confidence in that company when I'm looking at them to say, you know, they don't necessarily have a full QMS yet, but they at least have SOPs in place and training. And of course, when you have those two documents, you have to make sure that you have some degree of document control and some degree of change management built into their into your processes. Yeah, I, I guess as you were sharing some of that, a couple of words popped into in my head. You know, it's almost uh, like uh, you know I need to establish that framework so that I can demonstrate. You know, certainly the the integrity that the data is important, the quality of that data is important. But another piece of that, I think, is uh, reproducibility and repeatability. I mean, it shouldn't just exactly. be that. 
data for one time. I need to show that I can do this consistently time and time again, right? That's a great point, John. Um, yeah, you're, you're, you're spot on there. Uh, and it involves things like that they might not necessarily, if you don't have a product that's in manufacturing yet, or you're, you haven't scaled it up and you're, you're out producing it, you might not necessarily appreciate the value of kind of pro- going through a process validation. But if you're delivering, if you're running through some process, you're delivering me some data or, that I'm paying you for, um, then I want to make sure that you have some degree of certainty inside that you've validated your process, that if you're taking any measurement or you're using any special tools to transform uh, the inputs into the output throughout the, throughout the process, I want to make sure that those are qualified measurement tools, that you have some uh, uh, calibration of those devices if they're simple or if it's a more complex tool that you've created, you know, some orthogonal study to be able to show that it's generating consistent data and you can trust what it's giving you. You could even go so far as to start bringing in statistical process controls and maybe look at control charting of some of that data that's being generated coming out. You don't have to do it full on, but to do some helps demonstrate and adds value to say, we know what we're doing and we're generating a quality result you can trust. And hey, you know, come use it some more. And, and it's a good way for that company then to get additional uh, biopharma clients or other people to utilize those services, whether it's to be able to bring in some, some cash or whether it's to be able to get more hands-on use in a bigger data set. The more you can create that sense of confidence, the more people are going to be able to use it. Absolutely. And one other thought that was coming to mind is, um, I mean, ultimately, my goal as a a company developing some exciting new technology is certainly the reproducibility and the repeatability. But I also Mm -hmm. want to show scalability, too. And I think that Mm -hmm. that, that's a key part of that value equation, especially, you know, if if you're... uh, courting outside interest from investors or key strategics or you know maybe even somebody that might be interested in acquiring your technology at some point in time you have to demonstrate to them that what you're doing is scalable yep absolutely yeah so, so I think everything we've, everything yep. we've touched on so far kind of helps you know further that um, that idea that you're trying to plant that seed you're trying to plant with um, with those looking at you yeah, absolutely. Folks, I want to remind you that I am talking with Devin Campbell. Devin is the founder at Product LLC. You can find out more about what they're doing by going to the website prodct.dev. And, you know, I've, there's been a few other episodes of the Global Medical Device podcast, as well as the other podcast that we host at Greenlight Guru called Ned Tech True Quality Stories, where Devin has been a guest. And we'll be sure to share the links to those too. Devin is one of these guys that gets it. He's been there, done that kind of guy. He's been on both sides of, of, uh, of the, uh, the equation, so to speak, as far as developing new technology and also on the acquiring end of technology and, and been through you know, all of these sorts of things. So Devin and his team at Product are a wonderful asset to have in your corner, and, and I would encourage you to contact him. As I mentioned just briefly a moment ago, MedTech True Quality Stories. Yes, that's right. Greenlight Guru, we do have another podcast that I think you should definitely check out. So wherever you're listening to the Global Medical Device Podcast, just do a quick search. Look for MedTech True Quality Stories and give it a listen. It's wonderful uh, opportunity for me as uh, founder of Greenlight Guru to be able to talk with uh, executives, you know, 
experienced med tech professionals, people who share their true quality stories, you know, why they focused on building a quality management system foundation and, and the steps that they went through and the obstacles and challenges uh, to, that they had to overcome. So be sure to check that out. All right. So kind of getting back to our conversation, uh, you know, we, we talked a little bit about the importance of getting good, scalable, repeatable, reproducible data. Talked loosely about that that framework uh, that, you know, having good SOPs and training and things of that nature. Let's get down into maybe some of the, you know, connect maybe a few more of the dots, you know, the quality mm-hmm. management system. You know, how does a quality management system inform or, or become important for this company's strategy to, to achieve uh, the ultimate value? Well, I mean, it's another piece of the puzzle in, in that value equation. If someone's looking at you externally to really, and if they're looking at you with the eye towards, this might be a target acquisition. This might be something, maybe you're doing another raise uh, and you want to be able, and you're working with um, sophisticated investors in this space who know what they're looking at and, and understand what it takes inside the company to be able to make it successful. Having that quality system in place and having a quality system strategy and understanding, because uh, you call it bootstrapping, I call it kind of just in time quality. It's, the same same idea. As long as you have that strategy and you have an ability to articulate an appreciation for quality and for what pieces you need when, and you have kind of a plan that says, all right, once we start getting toward this phase of development, then we're going to go ahead and implement um, this piece of, of a quality management system, you know, a module, if you will. Um, you might not necessarily need purchasing controls really early, but you want to think through, all right, when would I need to put purchasing controls in place? When would I need to start doing supplier quality audits? When might I want to start weaving in risk management, which I would say very early. But to have that articulated strategy is hugely impactful on that value equation to be able to look at the company from outside and say, okay, they have something that is scalable. They've got a product and a process in place that they know uh, what it's going to take to be able to get it there. And they're taking the right steps early rather than playing catch up and trying to do it in a hurry at the end. Yeah. And I'm, I'm reminded of uh, a conversation. I think we even uh, talked about it on a, a previous podcast episode. Uh, you know, Some sound advice for companies is to not just focus on where you are, but think about where you want to be ultimately. And and I know, you know, a lot of startups listening might go, oh, I want to be acquired. And, you know, okay, sure, I get that. Mm-hmm. And a good mindset to, to be in is, you know, think about what you need to, to have in place uh, in order mm-hmm. to be uh, a standalone company, uh, a standalone med device company that, you know, is compliant to FDA and 1345 and whatever markets you're going to go in. And I know sometimes that word compliance is a dirty word, folks, and I don't mean for it to be, but there's a continuum, there's an escalation. And to use Devin's phrase, a just-in-time quality approach. And I I know sometimes when people hear about quality management systems, like, are you telling me that I have to have everything in place to meet FDA 21, CFR Part 820, and ISO 1345 and the EU MDR... Um, no, and I don't think you're going to hear that from Devin either. What I'm, what I'm suggesting is that you build it as you go. You put the pieces in place that as you need them, 
uh, maybe a little bit before you need them, but but have a strategy and a plan and and be more proactive as Devin has suggested. And uh, folks, we have a really good, uh, I know I'm a little biased, (laughs) uh, but we have a really good Mm -hmm. content piece on uh, that I'll share in the, in the text that accompanies this uh, podcast as well. That kind of lays out that timeline, you know, maps out. If you're in this stage, here are the things you should be focused on and so on. So just uh, feel free to use that and share that with others because I think it's a pretty good guide to keep you focused on the right things. Um, John, I, I think a piece of what you said resonates um, yeah. with me and, and a lot of the, the folks that bring product in uh, to be able to help them. And it's, you might be thinking, oh, yeah, well, I'm going to build this up and I'm going to get acquired, like you said, right? Or um, someone's going to come in and then uh, pharma's going to take over. They're going to take it and then they're going to run all the clinicals for me and bring it to market and I don't have to worry about it. That is absolutely a great goal to be shooting for. But you have to make sure that you're thinking very broadly and that you have the right resources and advisors in place to kind of help you think, well, what if that doesn't happen? Is the company dead in the water? Uh, if you've built your uh, infrastructure, and I mean that to be more than just the quality system, but the resources you've hired and how you do new product development and everything, um, if you've built your infrastructure in such a way that it's super light and it, it's, a, it's a very gentle touch and it's just enough to be able to get it to the point where if the, uh, the, the company generates the data, it gets purchased. That's great. But if it doesn't happen, and the chances are, you know, decent that it may not happen for you, then to be able to have those strategies in place to think through, all right, well, if it doesn't happen, okay, maybe we'll do it ourselves. And what what, what kind of resources we need to hire and what kind of infrastructure would, would we need to build and when to be able to get that done? And that includes the quality system piece, but also the resources to deploy the quality system, um, the right people to be able to manage new product development and if you need to bring certain clinical players in to be able to help you do trials and design, then when would you want to bring those things in? And I think it's really important at the very beginning to think through multiple exit strategies, not just one, and try to build that scalable just-in-time infrastructure at the beginning to not preclude you from being able to take any one of those paths out. Does that make sense? It totally does. I mean, you said something yeah. a moment ago about sophisticated investors um and you know certainly if you're in fundraising mode and you know you're you're trying to get series a b c what what have you you know the the further in that alphabet of of fundraising that you get the you should expect that your investors are going to be more and more sophisticated there's more online and and part of having a a quality management system framework is a de-risking strategy and and you know the most sophisticated frankly of an investors would be those strategics the the biopharma mm-hmm. the pharma you know bigger med med device companies they're going to expect uh, uh, you to de-risk that investment for them and you know let's just say if you don't de-risk that for them uh, it's going to have an impact on your valuation I, I guess I'm just curious I don't know the answer to this but have you seen scenarios where company didn't put uh, you know, the right uh, value equation in place and it hurt them on a valuation perspective with a, a sophisticated investor or strategic? I, I, I can. I don't want to dive into examples for that. I'd rather dive in, into a more positive version of that story. Um, it's, it's the same coin, just the other side. Uh, I've got 
an existing organization that um, I've been helping. And with this team talking to diagnostic major, you know, billion dollar market cap diagnostic players, the experience created for us in those conversations when we are able to communicate that we have a product development plan in place, we have a strategy, we have a quality system deployment strategy to say these are the things that we need. And this is how much we're going to put in place and when it actually adds a lot of value to that equation because it allows those diagnostic players who already have very sophisticated, very large you know, quality systems in place that they've got teams of resources on and, and your company as a startup might have one person focused on it. It allows them to see that you're building something in such a way that if they did come in, they could take you and it would be a smooth transition into their quality system. Rather, you know, that you've generated the documents and everything else, they don't have to go back in and do some catch-up. I did the same thing when I was in Big Pharma and doing due diligence work on uh, processes and uh, med tech companies to say, are these people that we want to work with? We, we did the exact same thing. We looked at their quality system amongst a lot of other things. And if it was mature enough, it didn't need to be 100% yet. But if it was mature enough, we had this sense of confidence that when we, if we did make that acquisition, if we did make that purchase, and we made two over the time frame that I was involved, that we were able to take their material and their information and bring it into our quality system if we wanted to. Or if it was mature enough, we might have just let it stay within theirs. Um, but to be able to have that is hugely important on, on the value equation for, uh, especially for, for big uh, med tech companies looking at maybe acquisitions. Yeah, I've realized that uh, through this conversation, I, I uh, use the phrase or the term value equation. And, you know, folks, if you're out there Googling value equation, maybe, maybe there's something out there. I, I don't know. Devin, is there is there a med tech, a formal med tech uh, value equation that exists that you're aware of? No, it, it would be it's too complicated for each individual, whether it's a, an investor looking at you or if it's a big, um, you know, biotech giant looking at you. They have different things that they care about, you know, that they're trying to strategically do with their company in the future that they might be interested in looking at you for. So everyone's equation is going to be different. But, and they're going to value a lot of different pieces that you might be able to bring. But there are some core fundamentals to that with respect to having strategy for infrastructure building, including QMS. Yeah, and, and maybe uh, you and I can take a side project to to draft or to craft some sort of value equation. But a, as we've been talking, I mean, there's kind of, uh, I'll say, well, I know there's at least four pieces that, that come to mind. The technology is important. Quality mm -hmm. infrastructure is important. Um, probably mm -hmm. go-to-market or regulatory strategy is important. Uh, engineering, I guess that kind of gets to the technology sort of. What what other elements uh, should folks be factoring into their own value equation above and beyond those things? I mean, I'd come back to the, the earlier conversation with respect to data integrity is king. I had this conversation with a client just the other day and I used those exact words. Data integrity is, is king. And we want to make sure that whether it's your product or your process, whatever it is that you're doing, that it is understood, it's under control, it's transparent, meaning you understand where the variability in your process is and you're able to communicate where that variability is. 
so that we understand if there's something weird going on, is that inherent variability or is that you know some other outside factor that you have integrity throughout the process of your sample and you can trace them through and that it, you've gone through and done some level of verification and validation on that data. So I would weigh even heavier than a lot of the other pieces that you mentioned um, earlier that could be factors into a theoretical value equation that high quality data that you can trust is very, very high. This is uh, great tips and pointers. Uh, I, I've taken or gathered a lot of, of really valuable insights from this conversation. And, and folks, I, I hope you're paying attention too, because, you know, as I've mentioned a, a time or two in this conversation, Devin Campbell is a real pro. He's a guy that, like I said, you want in your corner. So Devin, as we wrap up this episode of the Global Medical Device Podcast, any closing thoughts that you want to leave with the listening audience? You know, I'll close with a similar one that we've closed uh, on one of the other podcasts that you'll put a link to um, for this one. Just starting early and thinking with the end in mind. I mean, it, it's pervasive in what we do at product in, in trying to help earlier stage companies think through where do you want to go? Where might you go? What are some other uh, alternative trajectories? for an exit or for a successful company? And what do you need to do now to be able to plan for that? So having that far sight and, and forward thinking uh, conversation with someone who knows what they're doing and has been there to be able to help give you some guidance to get you into one of those different plays. And then to know very early and to be humble enough to say, okay, we need to start building some of this infrastructure now so that it's not a struggle as we go through the process the last thing you want to do is get to the end and then say, okay, yeah, let's go get FDA approval. And you, you've done so little work toward that, that now you have to scramble and spend a lot of money. So look for, look really far forward and plan for that and start early with um, that infrastructure building. All right. Really sound advice. Again, folks, let me thank Devin Campbell with product PRODCT. And you can find out more by going to product.dev to learn more about how they're helping companies. And, and I, I, I couldn't agree more with the sentiments that, that Devin shared, starting early and thinking about the end in mind. It's really important. Um, you know, and we're here to help at Greenlight Guru. Uh, you can learn more about what we do uh, with helping medical device companies and improving the quality of life and helping you get your products to market as safe and effectively and as quickly as possible. We've built an EQMS platform designed specifically for the med tech industry. You can go learn more about that by uh, the web, uh, by visiting, excuse me, the website www.greenlight.guru to find out more. Uh, and, and we're very much about this just-in-time quality approach. Build it as you go, build it as you need it. Uh, that's why we fashioned our products in such a way to with go, which is pre-market functionality and grow post-market. So you can definitely scale into your quality management system uh, to align with where you are as a business. So check that out. And you know some of the sentiments that come to mind, especially as it relates to this conversation, we've had quite a few customers who started with us when they were in development and have since been acquired. And one story specifically comes to mind where... Uh, when this company that started working with us, they were uh, early stage, pre-market. They um, went through all the regulatory processes, uh, 510Ks, CE market, etc. They en ended up getting acquired by a very large company. 
And the very large company that acquired them basically complemented their approach to quality and regulatory and, and product strategy and the data that the integrity so much so that it became um, sort of the example within their portfolio. Uh, so this stuff is important. Uh, and don't just assume that that strategic is going to to basically infuse their approach upon you. Uh, you know, if you've got a best practice approach, you might be the example that the rest of their organization ad- adopts. So there is a lot to be said for that. So Again, thank you, Devin. Uh, Folks, as always, thank you so much for being loyal listeners of the Global Medical Device Podcast. As always, this is your host, founder and VP of Quality and Regulatory at Greenlight Guru, John Spear.